Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Schaefer's Market Mashup. A huge thank you to everybody that listened to last week's episode, a perfectly timed GME postmortem from our very own senior market strategist, Chris Pribel. Today, please welcome back to the show, Tony Batista of TastyTrade.com. Tony, what's happening, my man? Good to have you back. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, uh, actually, a lot's been going on in the market lately. I mean, it's in, uh, it's in every headline. So when the market's in every headline, you know, we're usually busy. Exactly. I was lucky enough to have you on for a late August episode. We went, we talked about a ton, but it really, when I went back and listened to it, it felt prophetic in a lot of ways. We talked about educating this huge pool of retail traders, the bar stool and the Robin Hood effect, and then these various option strategies. And wow, six months later, look where we are. We're in the midst of not only the pandemic still, a new administration, uh, but then more recently, this seismic event within the trading landscape that is the Reddit revolution. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I don't want to go with the typical, like what's been happening. I feel like that's almost been overplayed. It's counterproductive at this point when you hear that yeah. from people. Uh, what I want is your unique insight as a contrarian. What is something going on here that is being overlooked? Overlooked? I don't know if it's overlooked so much, but it's kind of like on the back burner. Um, the, the, the clickbait, it's so sensationalized to just have, uh, you know, talk about the, the profits and the losses and not really the journey. I think, I think what Robin Hood, to their, to their credit, um, was able to do that, that even Tasty Train and Tasty Works haven't been able to do to that magnitude was get a, a whole demographic involved in the stock market and not like look at it like their parents' stock market, like look at their own stock market. Now, they're quickly learning that, you know, sometimes you can't afford free or, you know, you just can't do things from uh, a, a mobile device. You know, it's, it's good in a pinch, but probably not the best. Um, and you just can't, you know, buy or sell something because you like the name or you like the product. You really got to do a little bit of re- research, not only on the companies, but strategy too, which is really the key here. I think uh, I think it's going to educate uh, a portion of the of the of the economy that's never been educated before about finance. Yeah, I think education is something that we touched on in our first episode back in August about sure. how you you can't just be long, long, long all the time, uh, especially when well, you, you you all. I don't mean to I don't mean to step on you, Patrick. Oh yeah, I go mean, ahead. You, you can be. You can be long, long, long all the time, but you have to do it in a strategic way, meaning you can't just buy three shares of GME, you know, because you have $600 to spend or $300 to spend. Today, it's a $100 stock. I mean, you, 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 know, you can't, you can't that, that's not a good use of your capital, but there's probably an option strategy that could, you know, make that $300 act like $3,000. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you, you've learned to trade as opposed to just speculate. Yeah, or, you know, essentially push a button if it's Robin Hood. Exactly. I want to expand on that. What can options traders do to navigate this new terrain we find ourselves in? Uh, for example, when you when we first talked, we mentioned volatility a lot about how that, that can be your greatest tool. Is that still the case? Oh, oh, I think so. And, and it's a double-edged sword too, right? Like I know, I know GME is the big one to talk about, but AMC, uh, BlackBerry, all of these uh, stocks. 
if you got into them early by selling volatility, which is what I like to do, mm-hmm. you had an uphill battle for you know three or four days. And then for two or three days, you really reaped a lot of those benefits. So it all comes down to size. I, we always talk about trading small and trading often. It really, I mean, size kills. Melvin Capital, size killed. Um, everybody who got hurt on any trade, it all came down to size. If you trade small enough, you really can sustain just about anything. Okay. What specific strategies do you, can you foresee being utilized going forward? So I, I think, um, you know, again, in, in a smaller price stock, $5, $10, $15 stock, you know, I don't think that helps the general public to learn how to trade because it's relatively cheap enough that they could just say, I'm going to buy stock. Mm-hmm. And stock is a great bang for your buck when it's a $5, $1, $15 stock. But when it gets to be a $100 or a $200 stock or in GameStop, you know, $400 stock at one time, all of a sudden the product gets so big that you can't participate. So you've got to go to the option. I think you have to go to the option world to kind of be strategic and, and put some sort of math model behind the trade as opposed to just, you know, all long, all short. I agree. I agree. And I think you can use a combination of qualitative and quantitative analysis. You can scan the Reddit forums and see what's going on on stock twits and on Twitter, but you also have to filter and frame that through a mathematic lens, correct? 100%, Patrick. I mean, I mean, even myself, I've been doing this almost 40 years now. I rarely come up with my, with my own idea. You know, it's always something that you read from somewhere else and say, you know, somebody likes ABC stock. And then you take a look at it and you go, wow, I really agree with them. I, I like what he said or she said, and I like the technicals of it, if that's what, you know, makes you uh, confident in clicking the button. But then find a strategy that kind of fits how much buying power you need to use, how much money you have in your account. I mean, we're all subject to um, how much money we have in our account. Exactly. And I I think we might have lost the plot a little bit in these past few weeks. You know, you you were you were so adamant um, in August about saying, you know, the more players on the field, the better. Uh, Do you you still believe that? And, you know, like what, what do you think of this retail trading going forward? Do you see it still trending in the right direction or is there going to be some bumps in the road? Well, well, I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong because I have a feeling that, you know, there are a handful of people and, that, and by handful, you know, that could be, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. But in, in the relative scope of everything that that invested in all of these kind of go, go, me, me kind of stocks, um, there's a handful that did very, very well. And the masses, the majority, you know, probably didn't benefit. I mean, I read a story about um, uh, a gentleman who's, I think, an iron worker who invested 4500 bucks. And, you know, he's, he's a millionaire now. And that's a wonderful story. Yes. And it's a great story. I, I don't know how many of those are going to come out when this is all done, as opposed to the person that, you know, I, I bought I bought GameStop when it was $200. I bought calls when it was $200. Or I bought calls when it was $100, and the stock's still $100, and I'm down money. Yes. How can that be? Like, you know, they're going to feel like they were cheated in the process. And that could be the biggest backlash to this whole thing. Like they could feel that they're cheated, that the, you know, it's so easy to say that the big suit or Wall Street, you know, took their money, but really they just didn't understand how to maximize their strategies. 
and and that's unfortunate that you anytime you hop on Twitter, the clickbait articles, you know, the I saw one localized in Cincinnati where somebody who bought GameStop then turned around and donated that money to the children's hospital. Great story. Outstanding. Awesome. You you have to commend that person. But you have to worry then at the same time, how many people is that going to ensnare who don't have necessarily the strategy in place that this person did? Or simply the luck? Yeah, totally, totally. And hopefully what it'll do is it'll... When you shake all of those people, you know, out of the like when you when you're panning for gold and you shake the ones out that really kind of were just um, it for the quick game and you're left with those gold nuggets, those people that really want to figure out what's going on with this market, and how to benefit from it. I think that's where you're going to see this kind of revolution of the younger, you know, more mobile uh, trader come to the market and there nothing bad can happen from that. I mean, education, empower, acknowledgement, figuring things out. If you if you want to learn, there's a lot of great resources out there. Schaefer, whether it be Tasty Trade, whether it be Google search, do your own kind of homework. It's 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 a it's a great it's a great time to be alive in trading. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's exciting for myself who I came in this business in 2017. I I'm I am still a junior in college technically. If you sure. think about my 4-year career, you know, I'm approaching, well no wait, no, that would make me a senior. I also can't do math. Uh, so I'm <laughs> coming on to my senior year here. You 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 almost you're almost doing that victory lap they talk about. Exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I never got to do that one in undergrad, so here we are. And it's it's so exciting to when I started in 2017, there of course was the niche of the options, and I know it was even more of a niche uh, back in the you know late 80s, early 90s, going into the 2000s. But now to see it blow up in the past four years, it has me really excited. The, the cost too, Let's we just have to hit on it for a second. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the 80s. I started trading in uh, 1983 as a member of the CBOE on the floor of the Chicago Board Options Exchange. Um, you know, a seat lease was a couple, of, the seat price was a couple hundred thousand dollars. The seat lease, the rent, was a couple of thousand dollars a month. You know, you get on a trading platform, you know, you get it for free and you have access to all the tools that are, that are in there. And by tools, I just mean looking at what the futures are doing, the even the S&Ps, the net and volatility. You mentioned volatility. I mean, volatility presently is around 26 um, percent. That's, you know, the, the, the mean is something around 19 percent. Doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a huge move. And you need volatility, especially as a new trader. If you don't have volatility... You don't have as much opportunity because volatility just means how much is a stock going to move? How much is the market going to move? Higher volatility, they expect a higher movement. If you're a new trader, you need opportunity. You need, and otherwise, it's like watching paint dry and you get bored. Well, it reminds me of what you said in August. You said if you just want to buy SPY calls, go ahead and do that. Sure. Why not? You know, when you went from New York to Chicago, you, know, you were joining kind of the open playing field of SIBO. And I see some parallels between, you know, how you recognize an opportunity with SIBO with how many are approaching the ease of which trading is accessed today. Is that too big of a stretch, you think? To, to no, no, no. To? I think it's a great parallel. I mean, obviously, the times have changed. Technology has changed. But it's a great parallel. I mean, look. There were other kids who came from other states to come to Chicago and, and didn't make it, whether they 
um, didn't enjoy the process, which is which is certainly possible, or they didn't see the benefit of it, which is certainly possible. And then there are those people who really, you know, embraced it and it changed their lives. I know, I know, it changed my life. So for me, I think it's it's totally the same kind of kind of parallel. It's just it's the same but different. So I have an analogy that I cooked up last night. I'm pretty happy with it. I know you're you're a pretty decent golfer. Um, so good, not great. I'm Is it wrong to classify this current trading environment as a little bit like Bryson DeChambeau's recent bulking phase? You know, we're talking about the big golfer. He's going yeah. long on every drive. He is yeah. just pounding it past, you know, past fairways and getting it to the green and it's up and down. Yeah. But when you put him on a course like Augusta that you have to navigate, he struggled. And yet he still created this debate of the un- what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. It got people talking and it changed the game. Yes. Is, is there any parallel between that and what we're witnessing now in the, in the trading environment? Yeah, but I got a feeling we're going to be at a lot more Augustas moving forward than we are going to be at the driving range. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be um, top golf uh, and see how far you can hit the ball moving forward. I think it's going to be a lot more of the Augustas. So, yeah, I like it. I just think it's evolved a little bit to a, to a little bit of a different place. And it evolves quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't stick around for long, just like you know, the, the, the ones that were able to get in on the stock, you know, under $20 were few and far in between. And the ones that were able to get into like a game stock over $200 were probably the masses. And now it's sitting at $100. I mean, again, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but, I, but I think we're kind of long in the process already. Um, yeah. And so you, you mentioned, you know, when everything shakes out, I have no clue when that will be, I have no sense of what a timeline would be. Do you think it has anything connected to the pandemic or, I mean, I, I can't, I don't know when this is going to shake out. It's been about what, three weeks of now. It's... Yeah. No, I don't think it, I don't think it really shakes out. I just think it's the same, but different again. Like I think it's just going to evolve. Um, you're going to see people who, you know, listen, you know, we think it's, you know, just the younger the 20, 25, the 28-year-old. The mm-hmm. There are 30, 35, and 40-year-olds who I consider young being 58 who are never, you know, like, to go, you know, they, they have careers and they've amassed a, a, a fortune, whatever that may be, you know, one investor's floor is another investor's ceiling, and they never, ever looked at it before. Those people are going to be looking at it for the first time just because of all the headlines they read. And they're intelligent people. I mean, if you've amassed some sort of uh, savings, you did something right in your life, you can certainly figure out what's going on in the market, at least do what you want to do. Where... And as opposed to letting somebody else do it for you or or even just forgetting about it. Like, you know, maybe they'll look at the mutual fund they have and say, okay, you know what, I've got a choice of 50 mutual funds. Maybe I want to take a look at this and figure out which one it's my personality or what I want to do as opposed to just picking it from a name. And so you don't think there will be a correlation with if people are heading back into the office and there's this return to normalcy and, and events and, and things that can take attention away from hopping onto Twitter or hopping onto Robin Hood. You think that is here to stay? Well, with, with the mobile device being on your hip, you know, 24-7, um, I don't think that, that really is a problem. And with the 
with the stock market, the stock market's like, you know, think about it as like um, uh, gambling on DraftKings. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Super Bowl Sunday every day, potentially. Yep. Super Bowl Sunday every day in the market. You don't have to wait till one time a year. So I don't see that. I mean, you'll have your your your, your flows, but I don't I don't see that as a as a problem. It 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 feeds on itself. That's a good and point. And if you if you're if you're into it and you have two or three friends and you happen to do well at it, you usually tell one or two of your friends, and then they kind of check it out, and then it kind of feeds on itself. I think it goes on for a very long time. Yeah, it's funny. I've noticed in my own friend group. Just a couple of random group texts popping up with people. Yeah, exactly. And it's there's no rhyme or reason to it. Some are from Connecticut. Some are from college friends. Sure. But there, it's, it always grabs a certain type of someone and, and it yeah. holds on to them. Uh, my nephew and I trade text messages. How cool! How cool is that? Yeah. You probably, you know, you, you probably never thought that you would be talking to your nephew. I'm assuming younger than you. Um. Yeah. He is 19 years old. So, I mean, how cool is that? 19-year-old yeah. kid thinking about the stock market. I mean, you didn't have that 10 years ago mm -hmm. or five years ago maybe. Yeah, and he's he's well-informed. He's not just pointing and clicking. He is yep. doing the research. He's asking the right type of questions. And so that is just so encouraging. It's um, going to be a better market because of it. it like it's going – yeah, yes, it's awesome. Yes, I, think, I really think a rising tide lift all, lifts all boats yeah. in this situation. Yeah. I do want to have a quick question about the liquidity can you try to unpack how Robinhood handled that and what the what the terrain will be like going forward? Because sure. <laughs> sure. that is something I think that I that has been lost on a couple of people. Okay, I mean, I mean, full disclosure, you know, I, I'm part of a brokerage firm, Tasty Works. Mm -hmm. um, so, so Robinhood is my competitor, yeah. as is TD Ameritrade, IB, and all the other brokerage firms. Um, at Tasty Works, we have no restrictions. So you can buy or sell as much GameStop as you want or any other stock. I mean, think of think of a brokerage firm as a as a as a place that makes pizzas. We make pizzas. How many pizzas do you want to buy or sell? I'm in the business of facilitating that for you. So I don't want to limit you on any strategy or any amount that you want to do within reason. If you have X amount of dollars in your account, you can do X amount of pizzas. To me, it makes no difference. If you're asking my personal opinion, what happened with Robinhood? I think they're broken. Like I think somewhere on the back end, I don't think it's it's not the facilitating of the trades. I think it's the reconciliation of the trades. Like I don't think, and again, it's just my own personal opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't think they know where all the money is. I think they have all the money. They just don't know where to distribute it. You know, stock takes two or three days to close, meaning it's T minus two days for settlement. And I think they had a bug or some sort of problem in the back end that just didn't, you know, because they self-clear. Yeah. There's no reason why they should stop if they self-clear unless there's some problem with the clearing. Again, this is my personal opinion. I don't have any insight to it. Mm -hmm. It's just a hypothesis. Yeah, that's that's what had confused me is, is the self-clearing part of it. Like like Tastyworks had to stop for two hours Um on Thursday, because Apex, our clearing firm, yep. said, "Hey, we gotta we gotta figure things out here for for a minute." They're raising the regulators are raising the requirement. So, like, let's say you're trading a stock, and the uh, Apex has to hold a hundred dollars in reserve mm -hmm. to make sure that the system never breaks. They said, "Okay, now you have to hold a thousand dollars." Now Apex had to say, "Oh, hold on one second. 
thousand dollars. That's way too much. That's you know two times the stock price. The stock can only go to zero. And then they figured out what a good number was, and we were up and up and trading again. So we had a two-hour stoppage in all of these stocks where it was only closing only, but yeah. nothing after that. So you know, people would say to us, um, you know, why did that have to happen? And I'd say, well, you know, I've never yeah. seen a stock go up a thousand percent in two weeks. So I don't know why it happened, but that was what we were told. I don't know what's happened with Robinhood. You've heard nothing, which. In, in at least that's, at least there was some organization. And TD Ameritrade is another one. They self-clear also with Schwab. You know, why are they limiting spreads? Like, why couldn't you buy or sell a spread in GameStop? I mean, it just doesn't, something's not right. Like. That's, that's why I wanted to, you know, to, to bring that question yep. up. Uh, it just something smelled fishy there. Something smells fishy, and, and it's it's not, but it's not going to be, in my opinion, it's not going to be what the news projects. No, like it's not no, Citadel. No. I mean, they want to take every side, the other side of every one of your trades. It's not Melvin Capital. They lost fifty percent. They lost a hundred percent. I don't care. It's one company. The system doesn't blow up because of one company. Yes, something. Eventually, we'll find out. It probably it won't make the news, or it'll make the news eight, ten months, a year from now, and nobody will care because we'll be on to the next subject. Yeah, exactly. And it could be something as simple as just really mismanaged public relations or yeah, media sure could, relations. Sure could be. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's. Oh, you know, I, I think you, you hit on that, and that's pretty good. I mean, I, what Robinhood has done, Vlad and and his and his group there. I mean, they grew a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, they. They revolutionized the industry. Oh, yeah. But I don't think they were the expert in the industry. And I think that's what's kind of making them suffer right now. Probably things that that they had done in the past, which with well and good intention, doesn't click as we've evolved into this market. I think that's a very important distinction you just made. A very important one. I want to move away from, you know, the Reddit and all of that for a little bit. It looks like we're finally getting out of the pandemic, slowly but surely. What are you keeping an eye on in terms of macro trends as the U.S. starts to open up? Back in August, you talked a lot about the NASDAQ and the RUT and the FANG stocks. Has anything changed in the last six months? Not really. I mean, they're all basically near their highs as we speak today. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a little bit of a downturn the week prior um, so right now it looks like, you know, listen, you mentioned, you know, uh, a lot of things that happened earlier in the interview, you know, we have a new administration, mm-hmm. nothing's changed, you know, yeah. the, the sky hasn't fallen yet. It may fall, but it hasn't fallen yet. Um, I think we had the best, one of the best Januaries ever for the, for the stock market. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so <sighs> bonds seem fairly soft, but, but sideways, the lower end, uh, of their range. I think the yield is is going to increase, and I think bonds are going to go a little bit lower. Um, the dollar was was kind of soft. We just started trading cryptocurrency on oh. on Tastyworks, which is pretty exciting. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Litecoin, Ethereum, and Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, which I think is um, a market that that the, the retail investor hasn't been exposed to yet. So mm-hmm. you'll be able to uh, trade crypto, which I think might help a lot of people kind of um, get a little bit of alpha to their portfolio, meaning, uh, you know, a very big bang for your buck for a small amount of money, uh, just being able to buy the outright coin, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, 
I keep hammering it home how prophetic you sounded in August. So I guess I'm going to have to take you to Vegas and give me at least one Super Bowl pick. I think it's, I think we're going to have a, a great Super Bowl, which is which is which is kind of cool. I'm, you don't no, think so? No. You think you think you think KC is going to blow it it's away? Over over at halftime. Over at halftime. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think just the opposite. I don't think you're going to need the spread, and I think uh, you're going to look at the. I think you're going to look at Tampa Bay as your victor. Wow. Wow. And it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to need the spread. Okay. I would take Tampa in the money line. Wow. Okay. Um, sticking with football, who do you want to see the Bears pick first round? Wow. I mean, no. I'm a Bear. I'm a, I'm a diehard Chicago Bear fan. I mean, I'm old enough to remember, you know, when, when the Bears were the most feared uh, football team on the gridiron. Mm-hmm. We got no money to give. Um, I think we're stuck. I, I, I think we're going to stick with Mitch Trubisky and 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 try to build around it. I think we're I think we're we're a rudderless ship. Yeah, so much for that question. Jeez. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I, I guess I guess that we'll we'll wrap there. Uh, I did want to brag though. Connecticut was putting a vote to name itself as the pizza. Or no, what were they saying? As, to name pizza as the official food of the state. So I have no problem with that. Pe- Pepe's Pizza? Yeah. New Haven-style pizza? I, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm a, I was born and raised in Brooklyn. We got a, we got a decent pie ourselves. Um, I came to Chicago. They've got a decent pie themselves. But that Peppy's Pizza is pretty good, and I can't lie, can't argue about that. Yeah, I, I was, I was pretty proud. You know, I, I, there's not a lot of things I get proud of coming from Connecticut. It's basically UConn basketball and pizza. That's about it. Jersey's so. got a good pizza too. They're they're a dark horse. If you if you want to lay a couple of dollars on a on a dark horse, kind of your your um, AMC kind of play. Uh, <laughs> You would go to Jersey. Okay, that sounds great. Um, okay, before we wrap up, you know, you mentioned the cryptocurrency. Is there anything else new going on at Tasty that you want to plug? Oh, well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, yeah, crypto is our, is our newest product that we're bringing out to the retail investor, so we're very, very excited about that. It's Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, uh, Ethereum, and Litecoin. And the great thing about it is you can buy as little as you, as you mm-hmm. want, meaning you can buy $10 worth or $75,000 worth. You put the number in that you want and you're actually buying the coin and it's held in your your platform at Tastyworks, which is which is kind of cool with that partner's um, zero hash, uh, who is actually the custodian of the of the account itself. You can do it all inside the platform. It's one click. I think it's going to be an exciting product for a lot of people. Capped at a $10 commission. So if wow. you buy... $1,000 worth of, of, of Bitcoin, it's $10. If you buy $20,000 worth of Bitcoin, it's $10. And if you buy $1 worth of, quick, of Bitcoin or Ethereum or, or, or Litecoin, it's $0.10. Cents. So go. commissions aren't, aren't, aren't a big factor, and, and you can get involved in crypto. I think that's the most exciting thing right now. You heard it here from the man himself. If you should be one thing, it should be efficient. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Tony Batista, thank you for coming on again. Maybe we'll, we'll make it a trilogy in six months or so. Uh, but be sure to check out Tasty Trade, Tasty Works for everything they've got going on. And uh, stay safe out there, Tony. Cheers. Thank you, man. You too. Be well. Take care.